I'm going to share a story with y'all. Um, just as kind of a way of introduction. And honestly, sometimes, I don't know, it's, it's really funny. I, I told Christy this morning, I was like, I'm nervous. That usually doesn't happen when I get the opportunity to share. But today I just, I feel nervous. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to share a story though. I'm going to break the ice and we're going to get into this, okay? This is a story about my first job out of college. Um, I wasn't actually out of college. I had three classes that I was wrapping up in a fall semester to graduate late. Um, but I had uh, applied for a job to be a full-time youth pastor at a downtown church right near the university where I went. Um, and I thought it was like the dream come true. You know, I had grown up going to youth group, had interned, had done summer camp, had like, that was my whole life. And I got this job as a 22 year old. And I was just like, this is the best. I'm so excited. Um, and like when I, you know, finally they hired me, they brought me in and then they're like, oh, you're the youth pastor. Also, by the way, you're going to be the college pastor too. Okay. And also you're going to be the director of young adult ministries. So it was like, Oh gosh. Okay. All right. But that's good. I can do this. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, it it was, it turned out to be awful. So I'll (laughs) preface the next part with that. Um, was teaching a group of high school students one Sunday about Jesus and just what God accomplishes through Jesus and through the cross. That week, the, uh, associate pastor came in. She's like, Corey, um, I heard what you're talking to the kids about, and that's just really inappropriate. And I was like, what? What's going on? She's like, I know that you believe that to be true, but the only reason you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven is because you're inexperienced and immature. And I was like, what? what? What's going on? You know, remember, I'm 22. I'm like this young, bright-eyed, you know, have all these hopes and aspirations about the world and assume everything's good. It gets worse. Um, then the next day, the next day in our staff meeting, and this is all true. I don't know if I've ever, if I've shared this since it happened. Um, the next day in our staff meeting, the associate pastor <clears throat> leads this process where we, we go around the table of all of our staff members and take turns sharing who Jesus means to us. And then everybody then says, well, Jesus loves you and I love you, like affirming whatever it is you want to be, believe about Jesus is good and okay. And as we, seriously, is anybody else like feeling my pain? As we went around, like my world crumbled and crumbled and crumbled. You know, when the head pastor of a church that you're working for is talking about how Jesus and who he means to him is a great historical person that he wanted to, you know, use as an example. I think that's how he worded it. You know, a good example of how to live my life. And I just, you know, again, I was young and you know, maybe I was immature, but I, I, I broke down. I went last, and I think she probably planned it that way. And I, I started crying. I was like, Jesus is everything to me. You know, and I couldn't, I couldn't fathom a situation where somebody would not see that. Could not pull that out of the person who Jesus is, that he's really everything. You know, and really probably, I, I think I was young and immature at the time. I think there's a statistic that um, out of all the people who profess to be Christians, that 17% have, actually have a biblical worldview. Four? Four? Um, no, and I, I, I think the stat I was pulling from was like 20 years ago. Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four percent, y'all. Right. And so 
I just, you know, I wasn't immature in the person I was as far as what I believed about Jesus, but I had these hopes that I had placed in men that didn't, didn't work out so well. That story came to mind as I was thinking about what I was going to talk about this morning, because the Lord was saying to me, I am sovereign. And I was like, oh, that's so good. That's such a good word for this time in our country right now. And the whole, I mean, this has been a couple of weeks since I've been thinking about this. And the whole time I've been um, singing through this song in my head that we used to sing in youth group called King Jesus is All. It would be a call and response, King Jesus is all, my all in all. I hope he'll answer me when I call. But just that King Jesus is all has been just on the forefront of my mind. And the other thing that I keep, the other phrase I keep thinking of is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I just, you know, at work, which is, this has been a rough season for me at work, but I keep thinking, oh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So I'm going to start with that. It's just kind of a an educational tool, and we'll move into the message. It's really interesting to me in the Bible when we talk about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when the Bible uses that terminology, it's um, prophetic. It's talking about something that will occur in the future, in the end times. But we also know from the Bible that that's the kingdom of God isn't like a future, not quite now state. You know, Jesus tells his disciples, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, it's, it's this close. It's at hand. It's right here. We're there. Right? So when we think of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, what we're doing is we're actually engaging in something that's eternal. It's not something temporary. That's just a right now condition. It's a forever condition. What a positive things for us to wrap our minds around the things that are eternal. This is what's, um, I just want to get back really quick to what, um, about Jesus being all. This is from Colossians. This is Colossians 1, 15 through 18. This is what Paul says about Jesus. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all those who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. That's who Jesus is. First in everything. He was there at the beginning. He's king of king at the end. He's, he's all. Jesus is everything. Here's something interesting, I think, about the eternal notion of who Jesus is. Is that that's an invitation that we have also. I'm going to read what Paul says. This is in verse 2. I'm going to switch over to the Passion Translation, which I borrowed from my wife. So it's kind of a cute-looking book. Um, But English has its limitations. And, you know, doing a word-for-word translation of a language that's as beautiful as Greek into English, sometimes you just miss nuance that you really need. So this is Colossians 2, 13 through 15, again, out of the Passion. 
for we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, for we had held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it all and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once wore in Adam has been placed on his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle. This is just the best part. Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities. Will was talking about powers and principalities. How Jesus is Lord of those two. Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all of their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. Isn't that good? Jesus is all. Jesus is all. But in this notion of eternity, we're invited to participate. Through the resurrection, right? Jesus invites us to be there on the cross with him and to be resurrected to a new life. That's good news, folks. That's good news. There's a but, though. Is that we're kind of residing right now in a a temporary holding pattern. Right? We're living in this very temporal, physical existence as we're waiting for what comes next. And so we have to live here. And we have to function here. And we have to figure out how to, whenever possible, plug in to the eternal notion of who Jesus is. This is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. We are now eternal creatures, but we're hanging out in this physical realm, and we got to function here, right? There is a, like, an everyday sort of physical notion to, I have to eat, drink, I have to go to work, I have stuff I have to do to function, and that's part of the created order. Since the very beginning, right? You're well, since maybe the fall. Now we got to work, right? We got to, there's stuff that's part of life now. But how do we function in the midst of that when we're called to eternal life? So I guess I, I, my, my first thought is we need to make sure that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater in that we, we can, we're here, right? It's okay for us to enjoy God's creation, Right? I was, maybe this is more like 
selfish than I need to share, but I got a, I got a Weber grill for Father's Day. And so just for the past couple of weeks, I have really been enjoying God's creation. You know, and there's this really funny, there's this really funny portion in um, the book of Ecclesiastes. I, there's not a, a scripture for this or anything I'm, that's going to throw up. Where Ecclesiastes is this whole book in the bar, Bible about how futile, or maybe a better word is how temporary this earth is. You know, people die. Things disintegrate, right? I mean, this is a temporary situation. And the book's all about that. And one part just talks about, so you got to eat and drink and be merry. It doesn't say it in exact those terms. But there's, there's something to existence when you're enjoying what God has created in the midst of this temporary situation that we find ourselves in. But, there's got to be a but, right? We need to be careful that those temporary things aren't what get our focus or our attention or our passions or our, you know, I mean, I was going to say energies, but smoking a pork butt takes, takes some energy, <laughs> right? You got to, I mean, that's like an hour per pound, you know, you put it on it. So you got, I mean, maybe a little bit, but I'm back to, if you can't, if you haven't figured out right now, I'm working through the book of Colossians. Um, this is Colossians 3, 5. This is what Paul says. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. We're going to start serious, but then we're going to get, I think, something real for everybody. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. We had this very specific prescription about how to treat the stuff of the world. And we know when it becomes our focus, when things here become our focus, that that's idolatry. And that's honestly, guys, there's a lot of great stuff here. We got it good. Pandemic or no pandemic. Have you seen your smartphone lately? Have y'all heard of this thing called Netflix? I mean, we got it pretty good. I'm going to share, this is super embarrassing. I'm going to share a story again. Um, this week, I went to work, and I forgot my phone at home. And I am, as much as I complain about my job sometimes, I'm really blessed that I have like a 90-second commute. So if your commute is longer than that, I'm sorry if I ever complain about my job in front of you. Um, so I was like, I can run home and get my phone. Not a big deal. Takes me longer to get home and get my, you know, it takes me longer to go get a cup of coffee at work than it does to run home quick. So I ran home quick, walked inside, picked up my phone, turned it on and sighed a big sigh of relief. And I was like, that's disgusting. Like I was so embarrassed. I was lucky that I was outside when I do because I was so embarrassed with myself. Like what a reaction to have about a cell phone. I was thinking, like, when's the last time I felt that way when I picked up a Bible? Like, oh, thank you, Lord, I needed this. I didn't feel whole without this. When's the last time I was singing a song in church? I was like, oh, my God, thank you, Lord. I just, I went all week without being in public worship, and I, I just, I need it. But it was my cell phone? You know, so not preaching to y'all, but preaching to me, about idolatry, right? When we put things above the Lord and it gathers our full attention, that's idolatry. 
And I just don't, I don't, I don't want to exist in that place. I don't want to exist in a place where something here on earth that's temporary overshadows the eternal. So what I need to do is I need to make sure that my heart is aligning with God's heart. If Jesus is Lord of Lords, if Jesus is eternal, that's where my energy needs to belong. That's where my hope needs to belong. That's where my attention needs to belong. And I need to be super careful that even as I'm enjoying this world, that it doesn't get the best of me to where all of a sudden I'm so excited about my cell phone. Y'all that's embarrassing. I shouldn't have shared that. Now this is videotaped and like people are going to watch this and you're going to be like, remember that time that Corey was so excited about his cell phone? Oh gosh. But when we, when our hearts are aligned with Jesus, we all of a sudden have context for stuff. When I'm plugged into the person of Jesus and what's on his heart, I have context for, I can read my Bible on here, or I need to reach out to a friend, or I need to call my mom. You know that the things of the earth that are here, that, you know, as far as I know, God has permitted to exist, I can enjoy and utilize efficiently when my heart's aligned with his. Because if it's not then I'm just doing stuff that feels good. And y'all, we can't, uh, I don't want to speak corporately. Maybe I will. We can't afford that. Especially in this day and age, folks. Like, I just don't know that we have the luxury as a church body to be lazy anymore. Not saying that River Life is lazy. (laughs) Let me actually take this moment to say, Barbara, you are awesome. I am so blessed by the Father's Table ministry. I'll bring it up again in a second, but man, that's putting our money where our mouth is, isn't it? Like we need to be feeding people who can't feed themselves. Gosh, thank you, Barbara, for that. Um, we just need to be careful. And I think when we are interacting with others, I think is another time that we need to be super cautious about our, where our hearts are aligned and how we treat other people and think about other people and engage with other people. This is Colossians 2.8. I'm going to read this again out of the Passion Translation. Paul says this. He's talking about now that you're in a new life with Christ. He says, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from, from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're, feared, when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. I'm going to read it again. Is that okay? Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they are filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not on the anointed truths of the anointed one. Does that sound 
at all like relevant. Our world is full of systems, for lack of a better term, that would love to tell you how to think and would love to think for you if you will let them. That's the truth of the reality of the, where we live, right? That's just, you know, and I think as technology develops more and more and we become as a world more and more connected, this isn't going away. There are people who would like to think on your behalf. So let me say this as a disclaimer, and you may not like this. I'm sorry. This, this beware isn't necessarily an excuse to dig your trench deeper or to make your line wider in the sand. I, I, don't, think that's, I don't think that's the intent. I think the intent is rather invitation. That in every situation that we encounter, whether it's relationship with a family member Parenting a child, a situation at work, a political ideology, it doesn't matter. We are invited to first align our hearts with Jesus' heart. This isn't permission to know that we're so great and do the things because we, we know we're so great and we know so much. You know, and maybe we do. But Jesus knows better than us. And even then, even then, I would always rather err on the side of, God, what's your heart? What's your heart in this situation? And then once I got it, if I'm going to dig in, I'm going to dig in. But it's invitation to check with him first. Where's your heart, Lord? As I'm talking to this coworker, as I'm disciplining my child, oh, I need help with that one. Every day I do. Fortunately, I have Christy who will say, like, Corey. It's like, yeah, okay, all right, you're good, you're good. But it's invitation, church, to align our hearts with his. To make sure that what is eternal and what is good is where we're putting our attention and our time. This is Colossians 3.12. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Does that sound like, that sounds like the fruits of the Spirit, right? I think, um, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. I already talked a little bit about, you know, in my, that first story I shared about picking, them, picking and choosing Christians. You know, the folks who read the Bible and they pick and choose which parts they want to believe or not. But I think sometimes we're, we pick and choose the gifts of the Spirit and which ones, you know, we like and which ones we want to hold on to, and which ones we esteem and value. But not always when we're dealing with people who disagree with us do we really pursue the gift of kindness, you know, or the gift of patience with them. You know, we're quick to... Urgh, I don't know, what, what's that emotion? Urgh. Yeah, yeah, totally, right? We'd rather accuse. We'd rather be right. You know, and I've shared before that I think, I think theologically, and we could have a deeper conversation at some point if you want, I believe that Satan is a counterfeiter. 
And I think that he takes the things that God has created and the gifts that God has given us, and he offers us something different that he wants to be more enticing. And I think the notion of being right is one of those things. Wouldn't you rather just be right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I need that. I'd rather you be right, Jesus. And then I'll do, I'll do what I got to do after that. But I'd rather you be right and I'll, I'll partner with you on it. I'll align my heart with your heart on it. And I think my, my preference would be to, to do that first rather than, you know, guns blazing to begin with. Is that, I don't know, is that fine for anybody? Um, on, so I guess let me, let me wrap up that segment just by saying we're invited to align our hearts with Jesus because he's eternal. We get a partner with the heavenly realm. That's the right answer, folks. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you were so good. And thank you, Lord, that we can align with you, that my heart can align with your heart that the things that you want for me and my family are the things that I want, the things that you want for this country, Lord, I want, like, how much does your heart break, Lord, when you think about injustices in our world? Break my heart too. I would rather that than be self-righteous about it or something. Lord, if your heart's breaking, if you're sad over this thing, I'm there with you. Take me too. I'll be sad with you, Lord. I am... on January 12th, I was leading the meeting. I don't know where we were the first, the, the first week of the year. We, I think we were, I don't know, we, weren't, we didn't make it to church that day. But I was leading the meeting and I asked the Lord, I was like, Lord, do you have a word for the congregation for the year? Is there something I could share that you would want to tell your people? And the, the word that I got was clemency, which means to appeal for mercy. And I was like, I'm not sharing that. That's weird. I don't know if anybody remembers this. I shared that then too. But then Linda got up and shared this story about how she was on an airplane in a storm. Does anybody remember that? She's like, Lord, we need your mercy now because we are on this airplane that is shaking and jiving and there's a storm outside and Lord, we need your mercy. And so I shared this word about clemency that we have permission to approach the throne of Jesus and ask him for mercy. And I really felt at that point that this something was going to happen this year that was going to necessitate that our approach to him to say, Lord, have mercy on me. A couple months ago, I really was, I was thinking that was pandemic. Lord, that you need to have mercy on this world because there's a pandemic. I don't, you know, and I didn't know where I was going to go with this Judy until you got up to share about asking for forgiveness I think that's the right answer. I really think that's where the Lord's heart is. Is the stuff of the world is the stuff of the world. You know, frankly, this too shall pass. I'm not saying it's good or pleasant or whatever, but this too will pass. It's not an eternal thing. And I need to align my heart with things that are eternal. And so I feel like, I don't know. At least I'm going to ask the Lord for mercy right now. Lord, if my heart's not aligned with yours, I repent. I'm actually going to pray that instead of, instead of saying it. If you feel like that's 
makes sense to you, or you like it at all, or you don't like it, but you're on board, you can pray this with me. But dear Lord, I repent. I confess, Lord, that my heart's not always aligned with yours. A lot of times, Lord, I think I know best. And I prefer the things in this world sometimes. And I've become an idol worshiper. And I've put them above you. So I repent. Lord, forgive me. Father, I just want to align my heart with yours. So it's a public declaration. I say, King Jesus, you are all. You are everything, Lord. And you are sovereign. And I approach your sovereign throne. And I ask you for mercy, Lord. Oh, God. Will, would you get us out of here, please? Someplace. Are you getting the message? No, seriously, are, are we receiving the message today? I just wanted to share something real quick. I was watching the news this morning, and there was a story about a man that was in the hospital. He was dying. His family was not allowed to come in and see him. And his son was just having such a hard time, and the man was having such a hard time, he couldn't see his son. And, you know, you think about those times when you lose someone and you pray, God, just five more minutes, just one more day, just one more hour, just one anything. And as the story progressed, they were going to have to transfer the man. He still couldn't be, have his family around, so they were going to have to transfer him, though, to another facility. And the doctors and the people in the background got involved and got him certified or whatever the word is so that he could ride in the ambulance to transfer him. And when I saw that, and I saw that man walk in, and he had his mask on, and his dad was in the bed, and he said, well, who are you? And he took his mask off, and the emotion was unbelievable because he thought he would never see his father again. And in that moment, I really since there was a connection in that. And as I sat here, I thought, my kind of mind of what's, what I'm sensing is that what we perceive to be dead is truly alive. And if it's your dreams, if it's something you gave up on, if it's your sickness, if it's your job, if it's whatever it is, whatever in your mind you perceive to be dead, it's not. It's still there. It's truly alive. Let's just take a minute here. And let's just seriously let the Holy Spirit search us. See if there's any wicked way in us. Any area that you need to adjust, Lord. Any area, any attitude that we need to repent of right now. Just come search us because you're good. And because you lead, you lead us in the way everlasting, the everlasting way, the eternal way. So we're just going to take, take a moment here in silence.
and let the search light of the Holy Spirit just come search us. Search us, Lord. Just tell him. Verbalize it right now. Just say, search me and know me. And we're going to have a moment of silence here and just let him do it. Shine your light, Lord. Jesus, you said that we are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. But you also said that if the light in a man is darkness, how great is that darkness? I ask you to root out every hypocrisy in in your bride. Every hypocrisy. Everything that we pretend to be on the outside, but we aren't on the inside. Everything that we declare with their mouth to be, but we actually aren't living. I ask you to fix in us. Lord, and we repent for being hypocrites, for being pretenders. As we are here in his presence, I have this picture of a chiropractor. You know, when you go to the chiropractor, first, one of the first things he does is he looks at your column, your back, and then he starts aligning things that are out of line. I mean, I really sense the Lord on this. I think he's aligning our backs, aligning our lives, as Jackie was saying, as Corey was preaching so that we can be aligned with him. And he has that touch like the chiropractor. He knows how to do it the right way so that he won't hurt you. But he will heal you so you can be restored and you can believe again in the dreams and the visions and the things that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and the promises of God. Even in the midst of a famine, the righteous shall flourish. You will flourish because you are like a palm tree in the desert. Your feet are upon the rock. And if you have built your home on his words, when the winds hit you and the storm and the waves, Jesus promised that house will stand Your life will stand. And one day you and I will see every trial, every tribulation that we've gone in this life was all worth it because they brought us back to him, the source of all life. So I just pray that the Lord aligns your back today to that truth, that the chiropractor, let let him touch you where you feel out of line, where you, and if you need to repent, today is the day. Don't waste another second. Just tell him, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've just lost sight of you. I need to return home to my father's house. I'm lost. I've been eating off what has been given to the pigs. I need to come home to be restored. Your father already left the house. He's already coming to you. I feel the Lord is restoring. If you're watching me right now, this word is for some of you on the Internet. 
you feel afraid. You don't want to go out. You, you feel like the sickness has power. But let me tell you, the king of the universe has your life on his hand. And he determines the times and the seasons. And he determines what happens with you. And if you believe in him and what he says... I love what my wife shared with me about the, the gray heads. They were in the midst of a difficult moment. And um, Debbie and her husband were like, we're going to stand on the word of God. We're going to proclaim his word. And that has power. So I just declare that over you. That no sickness, no plans of the enemy will stop what the Lord wants to do with you. So let him align you to his will today. And let him heal you physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Because he's in the business of restoring his people so that we can live like the palm tree. Amen. So if, he, if you want to come, and I, I was not supposed to do that. But he was supposed to do that. And, and I know Erica's translating there. So for, for the Hispanics, for those who are at home, If you want to come or if you want to just stand, let's pray. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to align you today. Just just raise up your hand as that that song is playing on the background. Let that anointing, the healing anointing that was put on the sheep to get rid of the flies, to get rid of the lies, to get rid of the the things that we pick up on the way. You know, the news and all that stuff that come on us. So that you can be strengthened today in your spirit to go out and to preach the gospel with power. That you know who your king is and that he's bucking you up. He's right there with you no matter where you go. He said, I'll be with you until the end of the times. We have a great king. We have a great daddy, y'all. We have a father that cares. Peter said, cast upon him all your worries. All of it. So Holy Spirit, come. Let healing come in your house right now, Lord. Let's just, your presence come in the line. We want Jesus. We leave the idols of this world because they have no answer for us. They are empty and they are foolish. But we run after your presence, Lord, because that's who we need. It's you. There is nothing outside of you, Lord. Whoo. And you know, some of you are lost, but let me give you this word. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. That's who he is. So if you feel lost this morning, let him come after you and heal you and restore you. Yes, Lord, just bless your people, Lord. Bless bless us today, Lord. We need your presence. And we align our hearts with yours. And if we don't know how to do that, Lord, I ask you that by the power and the grace of the Holy Spirit, we will align with you. You know, I see people with suitcases. The Lord has callings on you. Don't give up. Some of you will go to the nations on mission trips. Others will visit the orphans. Others will go. Do not let what's going on now determine what the Lord wants to do. There is purpose. Maybe some of you will go to another place, to another job. I just see that that means be ready. 
Because when the king calls you, be ready. No matter your age, you might say, I'm too old, Lord. But you know why? God can use your prayers. He can use your intercession to restore, to give his grace to somebody else that needs it. Everything. You know what Jesus says? If you give a cup of water to somebody, you will have your reward. Yes, Lord. May that grace be upon us today. To do your will today. Align us. Oh, Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Let that anointing come on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Woo! We still have a couple more minutes to hang in here. Yeah? I believe the Lord is healing trauma. And trauma is terrible because it's something that's done to us. We've been traumatized. And what trauma does then is that it manipulates you into fear and panic. I remember I experienced just a small bit of trauma. It wasn't like... But it was very real. I, we got rear-ended um, in our car. And after we got rear-ended, every time I looked in my rear-view mirror and I saw a car coming behind me, because that's what I did when during the accident, is that we came to a stop and I looked and I saw this car and it was coming fast and it didn't stop. So every time I looked in my mirror and there was a car behind me and it looked like it was, it was, ah, That's what trauma does. Our nation has been traumatized. And I want to pray for a healing to be released of trauma. And that's for us in this room. And that's for our nation in this world. So, Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord, in this place of your presence, in this place of repentance, this place of us leaning on you and aligning ourselves with you, with you aligning us, Lord, part of that is healing. Lord, I ask you to heal us of trauma. Things that have been done to us. Lord, I ask you to release healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you purchased with your precious blood. Lord, I ask you to release healing for trauma. Lord, in all the effects, the fear and the manipulation and the panic, panic attacks have to be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Fear is overcome in the name of Jesus. Lord, in all across this nation, we've experienced many traumas throughout our history. Lord, much of what's happening with race right now is a result of trauma. Lord, and it's manipulating things. The enemy caused the trauma and then he uses it to manipulate. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to release a healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you've already started to do it. Lord, I thank you for the the people, Lord, on the very side of of George Floyd's uh, death, Lord Jesus, that there has been healing and restoration being released into our nation, Lord, in those very places, Lord. And I ask you to do that, Lord, in the very places of trauma, the very places in us of trauma, Lord, you are fixing and releasing healing and authority for healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, and I ask 
ask you to do that all across this nation. Lord, every place where there's been a wound, where there's been a trauma, Lord, where there's been something that's come in, Lord, where the enemy has come in, Lord, Lord, like a flood, you raise up a standard against it. Lord, and you release your healing flow into the earth. Lord, and I thank you that right now that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. That's what you're doing in your bride. Lord, as we lean and get aligned and heal, Lord, in the very place, Lord, that we have sinned, the very place that we have had an idol, the very place that we've been traumatized and wounded. Lord, you're releasing healing. You're releasing authority for healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that in the very place, Lord, in this nation, that we have wounded each other with racism. Lord, you're releasing a great glory. You're releasing a great glory in the name of Jesus. You're releasing a great glory in the name of Jesus and a great healing and a flood. Lord, because your heart is for all ethnos. And you said that this gospel will be preached to all ethnos. Lord, and you said that you're healing all ethnos. Lord, Lord, you're king of all ethnos. You're, you're, you're king of all of it, Lord, and they will all come before you at the end. Lord, you said that you're, de- you're the desire of nations. Lord, all nations come and bow before you, all ethnos. Lord Jesus, release that in the earth. Release that in our nation in Jesus' name. Okay. I think we're done. You got something? That was powerful, isn't it? We serve, we love, we worship a tremendous father, a good father. A father that absolutely sent his own son to make us a new creation. And we live from that part. I just wanted to share that part. That that's where we live from. And that's why he said, I'm going to give you the promise of the father, Holy Spirit himself, who's going to lead you into all truth. Okay? Who's going to walk with you in this new life. That you may know how to walk the good way. That you may hear the voice behind you saying, walk this way. You know, and the Father's always in the business of healing. And I just wanted to hear this last testimony. And then after that, we're just going to release you guys. But when you hear the testimony, take it for yourself. Amen. So... Over the last several years, I've experienced a lot of trauma, but I am a living testimony that the Lord heals that. And when you're in trauma and you're going through PTSD or whatever it is, you don't think that there is a way out. But I want to tell you that the Lord does it. He heals it, and it's real. And one day it can look like it's dark, and the next day he can just completely change your entire life around and bring that healing that you desperately needed all those years. And I want to also testify that what you have been through, the Lord's going to use. And not only is he going to heal that, but the enemy has to give back everything that's been stolen. And you're going to be used in every single one of those areas. And the Lord's, he, he loves us. And he's going to, he's got us. Yes. 
And he loves those other people that our lives are going to be a living testimony too. Yes, come on, let's give it up. There's something on that. More and more and more and more and more. Release that revelation, Lord. Woo! Wow, did you catch all that today? We got a lot to process. Let's do it with the Lord. Be blessed on your way, be safe, and be used by the Lord this week. Oh, yeah, ministry team, come on up. If you've got... Areas that you, the Lord is still working on that you want prayer with. We've got ministry team that will pray with you. And also feel free to communicate to them if you don't want to be touched, how you want to do it. We want to really honor you as a person with where you're at. So come on up if you'd like continued prayer, but if not, be blessed. Don't forget to get your kids. Don't forget your kids. Pick up your kids.